Looking to build wealth beyond the stock market? Gain access to alternative investment opportunities once reserved for the ultra-wealthy with Yield Street. Build a diversified portfolio with investments such as real estate, art, commercial finance, and other alternatives typically with low stock market correlation and targeting annual yields of up to 15%. Yield Street investment minimums start at $1,000. Head to YieldStreet.com to join over 275,000 members and create your account today. The I didn't realize you liked me that way deal. Because it's one thing to receive McDonald's, but an entirely other thing to know that they woke up early to face the world and bring you McDonald's breakfast still hot in the bag. Appreciate you. There's a deal for every morning. Now grab two loaded sausage burritos for only three bucks. Prices and participation may vary. Single item at regular price. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello everyone, welcome to episode 68 of uh, Get Out A Wrap. Today, joined by practically the co-host these days, Chris <laughs> Rainsforth from Verit. Hi, Chris. Good afternoon. Um, hello everybody. <laughs> Regardless, it might be morning, who knows. Um, exactly. Hello everybody. Time is a construct. Um, what we're doing, this is, a, this is this, like a, a theme that we're doing. And the first one was on team leader tips. And that was really well received. Loads of engagement, loads of people talking up. Cool, can we have more of these? So today we're going to do one of them. This is the beauty of just doing it myself and with you, mate, is we can just choose things that we like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so both of us being in an operations, from an operations background, we're going to talk games and incentives today. So, um, Let's start, Chris, with why are these important? Um, I think if they're done right, they can be extremely motivating. Um, they can boost employee engagement, um, which in turn will have an impact on attrition rates and, and those types of things. But fundamentally, I think what it does do is um, systematically improve performance within the contact centre, whether by design, which there should be, but as a, as, a, as a kind of positive consequence of driving a bit of competition, of having some kind of incentive towards kind of delivering against goals can have the desired impact you need it to have on performance. But, and, and in all that time, kind of like say, driving the employee engagement, uh, employee satisfaction scores and, and those types of things. Very true. One of the things I've always liked and did myself, encouraged my team leaders to do, um, is go and look externally as well. So if you think about it, our frontline people, agents, even in ever-increasing complex stuff, it's still repetitive, right? And um, there's a great, I think they're attached to Volkswagen. Um, it's play or fun, I can't remember. But if you go on YouTube and search Piano, sta uh, Piano Stairs Swedish Underground, it's a great video that perfectly encapsulates why fun incentives and games are really important. And this is like the kind of, we'll touch on gamification later, but um, basically what they do is they take a set of stairs next to an escalator in this underground like metro station in Sweden and overnight turn the stairs into a piano. So when Brilliant. you stand on it, it makes the thing. And the and then and then they videoed it throughout the day. So before this was in place, 
as you can imagine, 80% of people take the escalator yeah. um, that's right next to the stairs. It, no surprise, by putting the stairs in, it completely flipped around. So 80% used the stairs. And guess what? All the video shows them jumping up and down, having fun. And it just goes to show the importance of if you can turn work into a game or something fun, especially if it's collective, uh, it can make a massive, massive difference. It's a great video. I recommend, recommend checking it out. Um, so let's say you've, we've got people listening who are in a contact centre and want to put something together. Where would you suggest they start? What's, what's worked for you? But a couple of things. So I think the, the key thing for me is being clear on what you're measuring. So what are we actually trying to achieve, both at a personal level? And I think what we, the trap we fall into sometimes is that we try to make all incentive programs generic in the sense that everyone's aiming for the same outcome, um, which I think in, in all terms, right, when you look at waiting and you look at starting place and, you know, there's rankings and seedings and all that in everything that we do. But in contact center, we just go, everyone needs to achieve this. And if you achieve this, I'll give you a bag of sweets or whatever it might be. Right. Uh, but I think we need to be really clear on what we're trying to measure outside of. Outside of the standard KPI. So the standard KPI for me is the bare minimum. So whatever we're measuring our people on, that's their job. Right. That's mm. what we're getting paid to do for the shift that we're there. So if we start incentivizing people to just do their job, that doesn't work for me. If we're going to incentivize, if we're going to drive or try to improve performance, it needs to be above and beyond that. So what's your starting position and what are you trying to measure post, uh, post incentive or where would you like to see that improvement um, and being clear on where is the level of improvement we expect this incentive to deliver against, not about achieving what we should be achieving above and beyond that. Um, so that's a starting point for me. And then linked to that, and if we can do it, is making sure that the incentive links somewhere to the organisational goal and strategy. So if you, know, you know, if you are wanting to be the best provider of customer service within your industry, then actually the incentive should be linked to customer service drivers or customer experience drivers or satisfaction rates or whatever those things are, because that then gives you that direct line of sight from the top down to say, you know, when you're having that conversation with your management team to say, our focus is on driving customer experience. So what I'm going to do is build an incentive that is going to improve our customer experience or improve our customer satisfaction rates. Where we fall down sometimes is we measure the wrong thing. So we'll measure people on um, metrics that don't matter in the grand scheme of things in terms of what's delivering service. And that can start to alienate people within the team, within the operation. You know, I've said it for years, targets breeds behaviour. And if you don't set the right target, you're going to generate the wrong behaviour and people will behave in a way that makes them at that target. AHT is a big example in our industry, mm. but if you target a lower AHT, does that actually mean you're going to provide a better service? And 
I think it's just, yeah, it's being careful and being clear on what you're measuring, how that links to company goals and strategy and how um, that kind of gives you an improvement path that you'd expect to see at the end of the incentive period. I love it. And I think it's important to, for us to distinguish between, we can talk about two separate things because there's incentives and then there's just games that you could play whenever linked to an incentive or not. If you're not doing them, um, just start. And I think one of the things that I think is really important to remember is we used to have quite a lot of debates about how do you keep the most, the highest number of people within your contact center engaged in the incentive for the longest period. And we, and whilst that is a, a really helpful exercise and it does lead to making sure that your incentive programs or games are fair. One of the things I'd say to the team is you can't create the perfect thing that keeps everyone engaged throughout the whole period. If there are some people that are not qualifying or go out in the first round or however, whatever the scheme is, as long as that doesn't, you know, finish after three days, that's okay. That is okay. Everyone's got to be included, right? And I think the trap we fall into is the, 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 the incentive that we're trying to drive is sometimes weighted in the favour of a particular type of performer. So, you know, if you've, you know, and I know some, you know, go back to it, we're trying to improve a level of performance, but I think incentives are about upping the overall performance of a business, but it shouldn't be used as a tool to coach and develop an individual that's what the coaching and development time is for yeah. so if you've got you've got someone that's struggling with a particular discipline within your contact center then the incentive shouldn't be used to try and improve their performance against those metrics that's the team leader's responsibility or the coach's responsibility to improve that performance the incentive needs to be really inclusive for everybody no matter what level you're at in terms of your performance today um, and, 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 and keep it engaging and make sure you've got a good solid time frame on and everyone's got a chance to win or do well within it or get something out of it. You know, where we kind of struggle sometimes is, and we've kind of naturally disposed to this stuff, is going, there's got to be a winner and there's got to be a loser. That's just the natural way of life. Where I don't think incentives need to have a winner or a loser, we can be more inclusive and say, actually, if you demonstrate a change in behaviour or you you kind of up your game by a percentage mark or whatever it might be, everyone's got a chance. A bit like golf handicapping, we were talking about golf before. Golf handicapping is about that I can compete against a scratch golfer and I can beat a scratch golfer because of the handicap system. Mm. Whereas incentive should work in a similar way. It doesn't matter where mm. your starting point is. It doesn't matter what your current level of performance is. You need something that gives a clear kind of inclusive benchmark where everybody's got a chance of, of kind of winning or being involved in whatever the reward is at the end of it. For the people that are listening that don't have uh, a budget in place, let's say for the output of the incentive, whether that's prizes, mon uh, monetary equivalent or whatever, um, does that mean that they can't do anything? No, I think there's lots of things you can do. I, there's a few things, right? So, you know, budget's great. And I think everyone should start thinking about having an incentive budget and start to build that into your budget plans going forward. I used to work for a company that had 
I think the, I think it was around 100 or 150 pound per person per year that went into the budget pot. Had a contact center of 1,100 people, so that was a good chunk of money that we could use and, and and throughout the year. We never really spent it all because actually what we found over time is that for all that people used to be motivated by money. And I'm going back kind of when I first started, nearly every incentive had a monetary value attached to it. Um, you know, do this and we'll give you an extra £10 or do it, whatever it is. Clock radio. Um, yeah. And what we got to was actually one of some of the biggest motivators that we found was, was things like time off, were things like early finishes, um, shift preferences. Um, a, a car parking space in the overpopulated uh, car park. You know, these things that become important to people, uh, you know, telling someone, get to end of this week, if you hit all your targets this week, you can finish at lunchtime on Friday, for example, right? Th those things become invaluable to people because they're the ones, well, guest appearance from Harry Wath, <laughs> okay. um, th those, those things become, I, I think those are great motivators. Yeah. People like time and if we can give them time back it costs us nothing as a business we can we can we can absorb it in shrinkage and things like that it's, it's never an issue to to do that and i think be creative as well we're a creative industry that some of the things that you mentioned there are kind of low cost or no cost um then there's a book actually about no cost low cost uh incentives and games i think it's still in print i got it years ago that's really helpful with some of those kind of ideas the other thing as well, um, you've prompted a, a memory is I worked in a contact centre where there was a welfare budget. Now, every team leader had that. And invariably, what they used to use it for was to buy cakes and sweets and ice creams on a hot day. Ice creams. And for their team meeting once a month, they would just like have a like a medieval banquet. Yeah. And I said, let's let's think about whether we want to use some of that um, to look at what you know what might incentivize people, what might what prizes can we do, um, and again, if you devolve that, if you delegate that to the people that are going to be competing, you absolutely get more buy-in. So I definitely recommend, even in the creation, so in the creation of the incentives, but definitely in um, what the what the output is then involve, involve the teams. And, yeah. and the other thing to say is we worked with an organizational psychologist who interviewed our team. Now they interviewed a section of the high performers, section of the low performers, section of the middle. And it was really interesting what they found definitely changed my way of thinking. They found that the higher performers, you've got to be careful with the numbers, but the majority didn't pref didn't like high five ring a bell public acclamation because they felt like it cheapened their profession that they yeah. were doing a professional job and i think it's to your earlier point right about you've got to be careful that this is both this should be fun employee engagement but not an incentive about doing your job because people don't want to have a party popper over their head when they're doing either a sale or a good customer service call or resolve to complaint, whatever it may be, they just want to know they've done a good job and appreciate it for that. And it, it did change my way of thinking because I thought people wanted to have that. Hey, here's, here's a badge that I've made, stick it up on your, the side of your desk. And that shows that you're, 
um, that we value you. In fact, that wasn't the case. And it meant that we had to change our incentive and games. It's, and I think that you have to find a balance. So I would say a couple of things. I think A, have a committee that looks after this stuff, right? So put the put the the kind of onus on who runs it and maintains it into the workforce itself. So don't, you know, again, as team leaders, as ops managers, you don't need to burden yourself with all this stuff. What you need to be able to do is say, actually, we want to do something that's going to drive engagement, improve performance as an output, but let's have a look at who can do that. And, you know, the most successful incentive schemes I've seen have been actually developed, devised and deployed by the agents, right? Because they can go out and canvas and understand each other and, and, and kind of develop things that is going to be inclusive to the team itself. So I would, you know, I would look at that and, and, and think about having that incentive committee who kind of own and run and, and, and deliver it and make sure they get the voices heard across the across the individuals that it's going to be impacting. And I think the other side to it is... You know, incent incentives can be public and they can be private. And I think we sometimes think that all incentive programs need to be public. They need to be displayed in some big garish display in the contact centre. They need to have the whoops and the hollow hollers at the beginning of each day to, to let people know what's going on. But actually, again, going back to inclusivity, a lot of people don't like that fuss and they don't like that fanfare. So actually think about how that incentive programme will impact them, but think about how you can silently reward people for those stuff. You know, those little bits of recognition of doing a good job, those little, you know, even I, I worked with a company that did a lot of what we call silent incentives, which they they would, they knew what was there, people were doing, but if you were doing well over the course, you might get an envelope at the end of the quarter with a gift voucher in to say, real, real good job this month, real good job this quarter. You've done a brilliant job, really proud of the work that you're doing, continue doing it. Little thank you note, a little gift card, right? But completely anonymous in terms mm -hmm. of what you're doing. But the teams all bought into it. They knew that if they achieved, that there was something there for them, but it didn't need all the kind of razzmatazz of, of traditional, traditional incentive programmes. So you've got to find the balance that's right for you as a business, but go back to those key points. It needs to be really clear, it needs to be really inclusive, and needs to have a benefit for the people, but for the business itself. If you're investing in these things, you need to see a return on that investment, like in anything that you do. And you mentioned um, at the start of that around some of the best ones that you've, you've seen. Um, what made them the best? Can you describe them? Again, it goes back to different things. I remember just a little side story, and it's just—and I don't know if it still happens. But when when I I interviewed for a job as a team leader, I was moving from one company to another. I interviewed a job for a team leader, and part of the role role playing bit that we did through the interview process was create an incentive. It was part of the recruitment process, right? I don't know if it happens in places now, but part of the recruitment process was build an incentive program that's going to run between this date and this day. These are the outcomes that we want to see it deliver. So I thought it was really good because you got your thinking in that process. Now, the few that I've seen that, that I like, so I like more recognition-based incentives, so recognising people's good work. So regardless of targets and stats and, you know, no league tables, none of that stuff, literally looking at the individuals, where they're starting from in the incentive period. So you're starting from here, Martin, and let's work on a programme that we, you know, we want to see you kind of move to here, whatever that movement might be, like your 5% shift in performance might be a 10% shift, 
but I want to work with you during this incentive period to do that. So the incentive for that person is to get better at their job, take on knowledge, learn some new skills and improve their performance at the end of the period and then be rewarded for it out of whatever the incentive budget was. I mean, I've seen some really good ones where team-based, so I think team-based incentives work better than individual-based incentives at a departmental level. I think individual incentives in like any sport really the, the, the lowest place individual is the outlier and the person that always feels the pressure in those environments and, and in those situations so team-based incentives always seem to work better for me and how collectively as a group your performance moves your dial in terms of what you're trying to achieve because you're moving and shifting a target and you kind of you know your starting point might be everyone that's at the top of the standing in, in the team or in terms of performance level your job during this incentive period is to maintain these guys down here we want to shift you five percent you guys here we want to shift you into the top tier with, with the rest of your peer group and you're dealing with those things individually as a team the top people at the top just know they need to do what they do that's great. They just carry on doing the job that they're doing. They're going to get an equal amount of reward. But what you find is that those people then spend more time coaching the bottom side as a kind of collective yeah. peer group coaching to bring the rest of the team up. So those kind of team-based incentives always seem to work better for me. Um, we're a tribal kind of race, yeah. right? Humans are tribal. We're not individuals. So building those tribes, building those kind of uh, behaviours within a group of people, you know, never leave a man behind mentality from the army and the Marines and things like that. That's what you're trying to do. You're trying to bring everybody up to a standard, a kind of consistent standard, rather than letting the good ones take the can for it and, and kind of prop up everybody else. We want them to bring the people with them. I love that. I love that. And I, and I would agree as well. I think... Um where I've worked team-based ones have worked best because there's a general sense of, there's a general sense of fun. Um, and I would like you say tribal, definitely a good rule of thumb for any incentive is just keep it simple. If you, if you then go out onto the, or remotely, if you're contacting people and saying, tell me how the incentive works and you're hearing different things and it's a struggle, you've got something wrong. It's got to be simple. Uh, and those, the, the simplest ones I've seen have either been races. Yeah. So uh, your team, based on whatever the parameters are, think of it like a giant um, get, board game, moves their team around a race and there's different things that happen at different times. There's some spots, spot prizes. But, you know, the blue team would be, everyone would be up, buzzing because the blue team are winning but there's still loads of time to go because you've figured out the number of days in the month or, or whatever so races work really well the one that I loved and it was pre-pandemic so it was we were all on the same floor is and we had team our teams were colors right so this worked nicely I just bought those magnetic um whiteboard holder things circles yeah Got what they're called in all of the team colors and we stuck up a set number on on the boards and basically the other teams there when you when you we were sales team so when the team hit their sales target for the day they were able to go and take a set number of tokens from another team's whiteboard 
And it was just great, A, because people were coming off the phones and wandering around, but the, everyone else would be like going, go over, go to the yellows, don't take our counters, go to the yellows. And it was just a great bit of fun. And in fact, it got to the point where it wasn't even about the prize at the end. The, the enjoyment of playing it and the competition and everyone working together and the rivalry, that was far better. I can't even remember what the winning team got. But no. I can I can remember seeing people going around and take stealing tokens, and we we got to the point where every at the end of the shift every night we'd have to take pictures of the whiteboards. <laughs> so you knew, <laughs> yeah, to make sure. I, I'm sure we had thirty left, um, but yeah, those were two two real good ones: a race and a battle of some sort. Yeah. I love it. I think, I think racing's good. It's a, it's an easy kind of it triggered a memory for me. I, we did a grand national one. Right, going back 20 years early. But fundamentally, that was it. Everyone, so the different teams were in different halls. One of our fabulous advisors built this massive 3D model of entry out of paper mache yes. and what else, right? And that was kind of front and centre in the middle of the contact centre, this air. And then there was all these these horses. I love it. And you kind of moved up in a similar thing to you, right? So, you know, we're looking at conversions and various other things, but the sales that you got, you move forward a space on the track. Uh, and then in the same thing, if a team didn't hit their target for the day, they got the opportunity to move someone else back. Yes. Uh, so that they, so the, the, whoever's in the lead got the opportunity to pick someone to move back spaces a, a, along the entry race track and things like that. And it's the same kind of thing. You used to have to take photos of positions because people would move the horses up and down. <laughs> but, but in the same vein, I don't know what the prize was at the end of it. What I do know for a four-week period, I think it was through April, because it, with accumulating, it finished on the Grand National Saturday. So it was four weeks leading up to Grand National Saturday. Um, and that, that was it. The, the idea was, but I can't remember any of the, the kind of the prizes. I know there were spot prizes throughout the competition. There was different things that was happening, but it was about who would get to the end and would somebody get to the end and, you know, it, or would everybody fall uh, the first hurdle type of thing. But it, it is, it's, I think, inclusive things that can get people uh, kind of just together around it and pushing in the same direction. Um, are always going to, you know, outweigh, you know, giving uh, giving it more of a less kind of personalised or individual approach. And you mentioned something there that is a was an unseen benefit for me of, of involving the teams in all of this is the person that made the massive paper mache thing. No, I, I was I was amazed at the talent within our teams artistically, right? Yeah, and people that would. So that we, when we talked, to, when we launched incentives, and we did them every month or every quarter at least, um, we would it generally had a theme. Let's say it was uh, nights, nights and of the round table or whatever. Um, we'd ask our team, "Does anyone fancy decorating this?" In fact, it happened first of all with someone coming and saying, "I want to decorate the our area, the contact centre." to reflect the incentive. Is that okay? I'll bring all my own supplies. I'll do it all my own myself. They were brilliant. This girl, uh, she now works for the BBC and like set designer stuff. So we, it was just amazing stuff. And you'll be surprised at the talent within your team that an incentive or talking about something different to the work, to the job that's still linked to the job unlocks in them. 
you'll see enthusiasm from people that you didn't see before people probably you know timeliness is improved because people if they're really engaged in the game then they're, they're going to love it um it goes back to that point, doesn't it? You know, the, the motivator is not the game itself. It can be. The motivator is not the reward at the end of it. It can be, but it's not. The motivator in a lot of these things is just getting to do something different than the day-to-day -day mundane of what you're doing. And, and still, you know, it's changing slightly now, but still, there's still this thing that no one grows up wanting to work in a call centre. That's never the ambition and I know there is some change to that now and, and, and is professionalizing a lot more than what it was when we started in terms of uh, degrees and, and and kind of you know certifications and those types of things which is brilliant but you would always find that the people in that contact center especially when I was working and growing up in them they all had side hustles and their side hustle wasn't contact center they were you know they were at college doing art degrees or they were doing literature degrees or you know they were doing something that was their passion and call centers was their pocket money right it was the money they needed to support their passion and i still think that's true in a lot of cases there's passionate people out there that have a different you know thing that they focus on outside of that office and you'll be surprised and, and amazed by the level of talent that's out there. And I think that's why putting a committee together and, and, and letting them own it, um, you know, we'll, we'll see a greater success rate in terms of how those incentives enable you to perform. This is a really good point. One of the things that we um, did is that our kind of incentive committee opened it up to the entire uh, team, so it's about 300 people, to present pitches, to, to pitch. So getting the incentive in place became a bit of an incentive, if that makes sense. It was like a dragon's den. Yeah, dragon's den it. Brilliant. Yeah, led, led to the one that we chose. And again, you had far more, um, you had far more involvement. And that reminds me of another one we did. Um, it was around Big Brother, so we had, a, and it was prompted by someone who saw we had a room with, that was set up with a TV, but it had a chair in it that looked like the diary chair in Big Brother. And then that just led to us and the, the, the rest of the team thinking of challenges. So we'd call people to the diary room, we'd film it, and then we'd play the film back on the contact center floor on all the plasmas, and it would be, you'd call someone in and they had to go out and get five left shoes in the, in the next yeah. minute. And if they did and they came back with it, they'd win a prize for the whole team, you know, and it was just things like that, just to get to be creative and to mix up the day. Yeah. No, I, I think yeah, the creativity and thinking about what you want to get out of it is critical. You know, going back to what we said early on, the failure or the incentives that failure, that fail, sorry. Dog starts barking, typical standard. Standard get out wraps up. Uh, I know, we love it. Um, the, the, if you stick to the mundane in terms of, or oh, if you hit this target, that target, the other target, uh, and you do this, people switch off really quickly to that stuff. It's got to have that fun element around mm. it that yeah. enables people to engage with it differently. You know, everyone says, oh, it's all saying, if, 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 if what you're doing is fun, you don't work a day in your life, right? Yeah. And 
sometimes the best days we have, the best days I can remember from my operational days, the days I had fun in. I can't yeah. remember if the service level got hit. I can't remember if we hit targets. Don't get. But I remember the days we had fun. I remember the days I was laughing that hard, I was crying. You know, like those things stick with you. And I'll remember those times, but I won't remember the times I'm getting shouted no. at in a service level. I won't remember them days. You know, and no. that's kind of where incentives play an integral role. And those that play an integral role in not just, you know, employee well-being, but just that enjoyment factor and the fact that people want to come into work again tomorrow. They want to come into the office. They're going to be less reluctant to pick up the phone and, and, and phone in sick. They're going to be you know, more, more reluctant to, to, to come in late. It's those things that drive another benefit across the operation outside of, you know, the kind of targets and metrics and the KPIs and everything else that we measured by. And let's just think about currently some of the things we've mentioned, the races or um, the battles, can they be done remotely? Everything can be done remotely, right? Well, I say everything. You can't unblock a toilet remotely, but maybe in one, maybe in the future. Um, but everything can be done remotely. You know, gamification, if we talk about it from a gamification perspective, you know, there's loads of technology out there that, that can help that. But you don't need those tools, you know, in, in the sense that you can, if you still want visualisation, you've got PowerPoint, you've got MS Notes, you've got digital tools that will give you the visualisations that you need. We've got collaboration tools like Microsoft Teams uh, and others that allow you to have a space where everyone can access information and data and those types of things. So there shouldn't be any excuse to not have still an inclusive incentive strategy that is you know available whether you're in the office or not in the office there shouldn't be anything stopping us um everything you know in our in our industry everything can be digitized um, exactly it's just a different way of looking at it you know it's just you know i i can't see why we would put it as a barrier to, to anything that we do we also did another good one i guess that everyone's going to um, probably relate to is some element of bingo, some kind of checkoff. Whether it is, um, I worked for in financial services, and we had uh, a bank that had loads of different store cards. So if someone we print off some bingo sheets that had all the store card names on them, and if you dealt with customers that you know, oh, this one's from House of Fraser or whatever. Uh, and you would be able to shout bingo, get it. It was just, again, we had to keep it fresh. It was maybe something you could use for the start of a shift, or we used to we used to have an inventory, like a library of things that we could just break out and say, right, we're now going to play, or even the, the town where the customers came from, bingo of that little spot prize if, if needed a lot of the time people didn't necessarily need prizes they just like to win yeah and, and i think that's a, i think that's a really good point you kind of brought something to mind there that there's two sides to this right there's an incentive program that might run for a period of time right but that's that's that right that's an incentive program you put a time limit to it and you've got an expected output that that that, that will deliver the other side to that 
from a games perspective, not a long-standing gamification program, and that, but just having things that can change the course of a day if the day isn't going the way you want it to go. So, you know, we've all had them where, you know, demand's increased beyond what we expected. We've got a, a level of absence, or, which is meaning that more people are under pressure. Um, all those things that happen in the day that we didn't plan for. So having things there that you can just call out to just have a quick hit of motivation, a quick hit of escapism, whatever those things are, can have a real massive boost in the day to, to change how a day starts and how a day ends. Um, so I think that's a really you know, important point. Try and have a, a little toolkit of stuff that you can pull out um, and utilise at the drop of a hat to, to try and change the mood, change the energy in the centre, whatever it might be, because you know things aren't going how you anticipated. We used, to, we used to have this thing called the bombs, and it was, I, I, to tell you the truth, a lot of the stuff I invented came from young children's games. So this is a variation of like pass the parcel. And to your point, if there was a lull, I would say in my best kind of the guy from the Simpsons, release the bombs. Um, and what it would be, it was simply a, like a box that we decorated um, that you could put something in and it moved, we would have like three or four of them and they'd move around the center. Now, one of them would be a good thing. Two of the others or three of them would be forfeits. And it was who, who when you were taking calls. So it moved quick, but all it meant was that everyone suddenly perked up yeah. and was looking around going, where's the bomb? Where's the bomb? Yeah. Cause you didn't want it or you did want it. it. You just didn't know, but it suddenly made people, okay, rather than just thinking, oh, it's after lunch, here comes another call. All of a sudden there was some sort of game wrapped, yeah. wrapped around it. And it ever so subtly changed the dynamic or the, the energy in the, in the room. No, I agree. And I think the other side to it is individual kind of competitions or competitions with yourself always kind of help to, to kind of move the dial a little bit, you know, you know, back in the day where we had your league tables and, and those types of things, you know, we taught they can be demotivator. I think if you can design something where you've got an individual who's got goals to achieve, and if they achieve those goals, they get some points. I always look at it like, you know, gamification has brought it to the fore a lot over the last couple of years. But this yeah. idea of, you know, you know, we both do fitness stuff, but you get the challenges on Strava or you get a badge on Fitbit or, you know, you you, you get gamer points on Xbox or whatever it yeah. might be. Once you achieve certain things, you get these little rewards, don't you, these little things. And I think those things can work equally as well. Yeah. When you've got a, 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 a kind of, um, you know, dispersed workforce. So again, if you're trying, struggling to keep everybody engaged collectively, if you engage the individual in something that can be just as powerful. So setting those little things that kind of build their own points total up and then being able to convert those points into something. So, you know, whether that is you get to 200 points and that's worth half a day, you get to 500 points and that's worth a day's holiday, whatever it might be, right? But this conversion rate, now everyone will get there in their own different 
phases. You know, my daughter has this point system at school, merit mark. So every merit mark you get, and you go up through bronze, gold, silver, gold, and, and, and whatever. And every time you hit that level, you get a little something, whether it's a notebook, whether it's a, a reading book or, or something, right? So every time you hit through these levels through the course of the year, you get you get these things. And it works in the same way for me when we look at, you know, trying to motivate people, give them their own target to hit and say, you know, this is what you and you can convert that into something. It means everybody can get there. There's yeah. no discrimination against anybody. And all you're competing against is yourself. Mm. You're competing against yourself and trying to improve your performance, trying to improve your behaviour. And each time you do that, you might get a point, two points, five points, ten points, whatever it is, you can decide. And then what does that convert into? And you can either decide to cash in when you get to the first mark there, or you can actually build up to the next mark and go, you know, I'm going to save I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep saving my points. And I might get to a thousand points and I get an iPad, for example, right? Yeah. Whatever it is, you know, or a prize of their choosing worth yeah. to a value of. So there's loads of things you can do with it. It is just about being creative and, and kind of trying to just break the cycle of normality that we probably fell into with incentives. Um, there's lots of different things we can do. I love it. I love that idea of um, it's kind of like athletics, isn't it? It's the season's best or the personal best you celebrate that even though in the actual race you might come seventh yeah do you know what i mean and it's that kind of so you might have new starters who they're the level you want them to achieve or that's a stretch for them is very different from your experience yeah. experienced people i re i really like that and i think um i love the fact that a lot of technology that exists in contact centers now all comes with gamification it's funny how that word's evolved isn't it it's yeah. um the only thing I would say is don't don't be lazy and just let that do it. You've got to do everything's, it. Yeah, everything's got to be positioned right and managed right. And I don't mean manage big stick management. I just mean that everyone's got to have an awareness and you use it as your barometer as a leader to understand, again, where some of your problems might lie. So I think, you know, everything that we should be doing from a leadership perspective is about learning about our people and learning what we can do to motivate that individual to do something differently tomorrow. And whether it's gamification, whether it's incentives, doesn't matter what it is, every interaction that we have at that level should be about learning about our people. And that's where the additional kind of benefit of an incentive programs comes from it's not about you know the the reward it's not about the result in terms of performance it's about us getting to understand our people differently you know and you find them who are the leaders who are the motivators who are those people in your team that will drive forward the kind of result that you want to get and you then can start to find where those strengths lie and then utilize those strengths in other parts of the business that, you know, you can, it's just, it's, yeah. a, it's a self kind of motivational tool, you know, in itself as a leader, it's about learning and then you can use that learning to, to get stronger. I think that's a great place to, to draw this to an end that I found that motivational, just that little speech then Chris, because um, it's a reminder of why we, why we do this, isn't it? It's, it's about people. It's about having fun. Um, and you know what, if you're, if you're a leader and you're worried about how it's going to be received, 
just try it anyway and be and be open to the team and say we're going to try it if it doesn't work we'll stop it and we'll try something else because again quickly, I think, right? yeah that's what quick. I mean yeah. you know fail fast I always say that right if it's not working it's not working give it another week to see if it changes right we'll do more harm than good if it's not working it's not working rethink go again it's the only way we'll learn and only way you'll get better with it so yeah if you are going to do it it's not hitting the mark like you expected it rethink go again and you'll find what's going to work for your team love it and a request for everyone listening is whatever you've got out there that you've got going on that's working um let us know and we can share it with with others as well because we're together we're we're better and during this pandemic we all need a bit of fun so um send in your the games that you've got that are working the incentives that you've got that are working and in a kind of like i don't know tv show me me and you chris can read them out we've got yeah, one here from... side, and i think the flip side to that is if there is areas of team leader or operationals management that you'd want some advice or tips on let us know the topics that are important to you because you know martin and i are happy to discuss anything really so <laughs> yeah. if there is some specific things that you want to you want to kind of us to expand on send them into martin as well and i'll we'll gladly kind of expand out we definitely will chris thanks very much my friend it's been great no nice to uh, speak to you again and uh <laughs> no doubt we'll speak again soon definitely bye everyone take care everyone bye what event comes once a year and could change how you see the world around you? The answer? When your vision benefits renew. And now that they have, there's no better time to visit your neighborhood Pearl Vision, where they'll cover your out-of-pocket cost or insurance copay for your eye exam. Schedule your family's eye exams at pearlvision.com. Valid prescription required. Valid at participating locations. Restrictions apply. Taxes extra. See store for details. Ends 4-30-2022. Exams available at the Independent Doctors of Optometry at or next to Pearl Vision. Some doctors employed by Pearl Vision.